I would never know how much reading has directly impacted me because I would never have read something in which I would then take action on and then I'll see a result out there at the end straight away. Something like Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? Like the classic finance book. Even I read that and I know it helped me a lot with understanding money. There was never a direct return on investment for it. So I kind of think that you have to read with the idea that you're not going to get something back straight away, but you're almost like stacking knowledge on top of itself inside your own head and who knows when you're going to use that sort of like that arsenal inside your head the kaizen makes me little to no money at the moment just because i'm in the building process my agency made me a very good amount of money when i was like focusing on 100 although money is important because it allows you to live a fulfilling life and it's like kind of tool that will assist you with that your purpose i think is what you should focus on hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the extrospective podcast with your host zach Villeneuve snell on this week's episode, I'm joined by Callum Carver, who is known across social media as the personal finance influencer, teaching the Generation Z the way around money, finance, investing, entrepreneurship, and self-development, who has shared the insights from his self-development journey with his near 400,000 followers on TikTok. In this episode, we delve into the role that MMA has played in his life and the importance of young men developing some kind of martial arts. We talk about his own journey entering the job market at the age of 14, the importance of reading and reading the books that actually interest you rather than reading for the sake of it. We have an interesting discussion on the importance of introspection and how we can use that to then understand others and act accordingly. And we also have a thoughtful discussion on balancing the delaying of gratification with living in the moment. Coming into more recent years, we discuss scaling up his SMMA business at the age of 19 years old and pursuing purpose over profit as he's starting a new venture called the Kaizen, which we'll get onto later in the podcast. From my perspective, it's remarkable that someone who is only 20 years old has already had so much life and business experience, and it was a great opportunity to pick his brains for 70 minutes on the podcast, and I really enjoyed it, so I hope you do too. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Callum Carver. Callum Carver, welcome to the Extrospective podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm very good. Thank you for having me on. We are just talking about how I've just come back from Mallorca that's why I'm so tired you've just come back from from birthday celebrations how was that yeah no it was good it was good um since it's moving up here I see my family quite like not rarely but it's every like couple months uh because it's it's not the easiest drive down so no it's good to go back and it sort of makes me miss the countryside a bit more um but no it's good because you've you've moved up to Manchester since kind of gaining more success with your online businesses and stuff and you decide to move away right yeah, yeah, yeah. I moved up to Manchester uh, purely because of the like, the city aspect. Um, I grew up in the, I say countryside, but it's more of just like a, like a little, t- it's known as a city, but it's more of like a village. I know you know it as well. Um, and yeah, it's just more for the opportunities to network and stuff like that, uh, moving up here. And it's like proven to be, you know, well worth it. Um, and that was what, I think like seven months ago now. Uh, so it feels pretty, pretty normal now. Amazing. And uh, I said just off before we started, but I've I've liked asking a random question at the beginning of each podcast for each person. If I was to throw the word impact MMA at you, um, what does that mean to you? <laughs> that's good. It's like it's like kind of the Nardwar thing where he just says something. Uh, no, that's that's interesting. So yeah, in, Impact MMA is um, an M- MMA club I went to back in Salisbury. Um, I've been doing MMA now for like I think it's it's probably about a decade. I mean, I'm, I turned 20 as of the other day and I started at about 10, so probably about a decade now. Uh, and Impact MMA was the second club I went to and I was there for like a couple of years. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. A lot of friends down there, a lot of memories. Um, 
but no, that yeah, that's brought brought back some um, some memories. Well, yeah. So, how has MMA kind of shaped shaped you as you've been growing up, and how does that make you who you are today? Yeah, it's it's huge. It's huge. I always say to um to people that doing combat sport is massive. I think for development, not only the discipline and the sort of just um like control you gain from it, but it's also the confidence as well. You know, I say to people, and it, it almost sounds like a bit of a joke, but after you know learning a combat sport and you could do anything you could do jujitsu you could do boxing rma like you can walk down the street just with more confidence you know it's just that thing where because obviously as we know confidence is from within you don't necessarily physically change straight away but just knowing you have the skills to defend yourself is um entirely different and it's a discipline aspect and stuff like that um and i think it's helped shape me as a person and just kind of like being um patient as well because it's you know the, the frustration and stuff when you're learning new things I think it's helped shape me quite a lot uh, and probably one of the best things I've ever done as a, as a young person. Uh, I'm looking forward to touch on that maybe a little bit more uh, later on in the podcast. But if we rewind to uh, pre-MMA Callum and just talk, think about what you were like as a child, like if you remember like the kind of temperament you had, the kind of role you would play in the classroom, how would you describe yourself when you were, when you were a little kid? I think, I, I think if I asked someone else, um, I would be considered like like a bit of a joker I would I would probably say um and yeah I, I would probably say a bit of a joker I mean I was very I had a lot of energy which I think MMA helped me with a lot because it helped me kind of like calm everything down uh to like quite a lot um but yeah I would probably say I was like very energetic uh a bit of a joker uh I did mess around a bit but I wasn't like a, a bad like student or anything it was just kind of like I, I took advantage where I could taking advantage where you can would you say that relates to the kind of creative mindset that you have when looking for like alternatives to the status quo um i don't i don't know i don't know i mean i'm always i'm always looking for the next big thing uh and honestly if if i wasn't running the businesses that i was running now i would have probably started like 10 more uh so i guess that does kind of fit into it as well where i'm always looking for the next thing always trying to take advantage of what i can um and I, yeah i would say that's helped me quite a lot you know a lot of what we what i do now and what is what happens in the online business space especially in, in the modern time i think is taking advantage of the opportunities and being unique and stuff like that and i'm sure that has um helped pave the way a bit and i, I probably would have introduced it uh, in the intro section before this but i i understand we haven't actually spoken about what it is you do so far in the recording so i'll let you kind of unpack what it is exactly like a top level what is it you spend your time on how do you make your money yeah, so um, I, I I would like guys a few things now. I would probably say baseline. Um, I'm an influencer in terms of the content I make, but my current mission at the moment and what I'm trying to do, I have like a, a few different avenues that I'm doing. Number one is like a the a social media agency that I run. I run like an influencer marketing agency and teach other people how to do the same. And the thing that like got like eighty percent of my time is going towards at the moment uh, is a thing called the Kaizen, which is essentially at the moment a newsletter uh that is about self-improvement and i'm trying on i'm on this mission to like help improve the modern person that is like my main focus at the moment and what i'm putting uh all my time towards it's interesting because even in the time that i've followed you you've started the kaizen and i've already seen like what was it in the last how long has it been going like less than six months it's it's been going um what are we i think about four four months and we're recording this mid-june it's probably go about out in about a month so yeah that gives you the time scale of just just how and i've seen the instagram reels and even when they come from my field they got like hundreds of likes and engagement and stuff i'm like yeah. okay there clearly must be some traction here some desire from people to just learn little snippets and insights and i kind of want to understand 
how you came across those snippets and insights originally to then you know obviously now you're you're going and sharing them but um we'll we'll, we'll obviously understand that as we get later towards the podcast but if we think about your first venture into making money understanding um yourself and kind of coming into from what I've, what we've just described at the beginning as your early childhood into like your teenage years what was your first experiences of like going into the workplace and growing up a little bit yeah so i, I remember my first kind of job although it wasn't um classified as a job because i started working at 40 15 i think um with at a friend like a family friend's catering business so essentially i, I washed up everything so it was like oh they did weddings so after like an event they would bring all the stuff back in a van and i would be like in there in their kind of like garden shed area, just like washing everything up. Uh, and that was at like 14, I want to say, um, or maybe 15, maybe 14 or 15. And now looking back at it, it was quite young to start working. And I can't remember the exact reason why I did it. I, there was never like money, like I want to make money. So I just started doing this. I think it was just opportunity. Um, and I was just sort of presented it. And I, I know I look at a lot of younger people now, uh, and my brother included, where he's 14 and he couldn't like he he couldn't care less about money until it becomes until there's something he wants to buy and then he's sort of in the mode of making money and I think it's just opportunity that I picked up and from there I didn't stop working um from there until I turned 16 I got the job at retail um and then pursued I was gonna work as a state agent and then pursued all this online stuff so I've been doing this for like a, a quite a while now since I think like early 17 or late 16 um so yeah start like 14 uh, to where I am now. Did you see yourself um, in that way as different from your like friends and stuff when you were in school and obviously then in, in college or sixth form and you're obviously continuing on this journey of like very intentional self-development and very intentional like trying to go out there and see the opportunities versus people that are kind of just chilling and just keeping up with the latest drama and stuff? Yeah, yeah, I didn't then. Um, when I was sort of 15 uh, doing that, that side job, I didn't at all because I just thought it was, you know, something people do where they, you know, it's even like the newspaper rounds and stuff like that where you make a bit of money at sixth form that's when i saw quite a drastic difference when it was kind of the idea of people all looking at what you need to go to and looking at the, like their next steps in that direction of where am i going to university and i didn't want anything to do with that um it was when everyone was doing their, their cover letters and stuff and sort of setting everything up and i just pushed mine back as far as i possibly could um hoping that what i was doing online was starting to pick up which was literally just making like awful TikTok videos, promoting this like business course and getting like $2.50 every time someone signed up to it. So it was nothing special, but from there it picked up quite well. Um, and I think I, I saw the difference in when I started making content and doing it quite heavily and everyone else was talking about uni. And of course, when going to uni, they would all be, you know, partying and stuff like this. Uh, and I would just be at home with my parents, I'd head down all day, every day working, uh, which is where I probably saw like the, the major difference. Hmm. Why did you start making content? So I started making content on TikTok because I was looking for a way to make money. And that was at like, um, I would say when I was like late 16, it was just doing affiliate marketing on TikTok. Um, and like my content was awful back then. It was like, it was a TikTok at its time as well, where you make like 10 second videos of a bit of text on the screen talking about something. Um, and it was literally just to try and make a tiny bit of money um, with affiliate marketing. So it's interesting because you said you didn't initially go into work with the specific intention of making money, you kind of just fell into it. But then at some point, there's a transition where you go to look for things in order to make money. So why do you think money was something that you were so like curious and drawn towards like gaining more of? Did you have some kind of upbringing where you, where you lacked it or what was the, what was the deal? 
no 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 it was nothing um there, there was no sort of nothing in my childhood where there's like this extreme thing that made me do what I am now uh, and you know always when you see these like hear these amazing stories it's from when they were in their childhood and something incredible happened or something like devastating happened and then turned into what they are now and there was nothing that happened like that to me uh which always made me feel like not not guilty but it's almost like I want something bad to happen so I can kind of have this massive glow from the ground up um and I just middle class family there was nothing special I wasn't spoiled or anything it was just kind of like bottom line and my parents were quite good in a sense where they never pushed me down a certain route or pushed me to get a job it was kind of just do what you want, which I think gave me the freedom as well to do um, what I wanted. Um, and from, yeah, so my, my like pivot to like looking or have being money focused, I guess, uh, started at 16. Um, and I think it was just the idea where now we're sort of like growing up and turning more into adults. You have to find a way to make money. And all young people now online are always looking to make money or like, like any way on social media. And I just kind of grabbed the opportunity. But I think I persisted and continued with it which is uh, where, where a big difference lies. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people, probably myself included, will dabble in, in certain things at certain stages in my upbringing. I can, I can reflect on certain like side projects and things that I tried, but it's just being persistent in that and continually kind of striving towards more, which I think most people fall off because they don't see the immediate results, especially in a world where everything is presented as immediate gratification and like yeah, it's yeah. very hard to associate like a long drawn out effort with a reward because people just don't they just don't want to do it because the alternatives are instant but you almost pay for that in the long run right you like you don't you don't get the rewards of doing doing all of the hard work um was there any was there ever a moment when you made that like specific connection between input and output would you say that's come from mma or from making money or was it just a thing that you can't really point pinpoint it to yeah no no it's interesting because um when i start everything i would probably say that it was all focused between the input and output, I would say, depending on how much time you put in, that's what you get out. But now I've kind of turned more to working smarter rather than harder in the sense that you can use things to advantage, you can use leverage and this kind of thing. And everything I'm doing now, like at the start, everything I was doing was for instant gratification. You know, I would do something to make money off it. I would start working so I could get money at the end of the month. Now, everything I'm doing is so I can make money in the future, is so I can build something, um, which I think is, is a massive pivot that's helped me like a lot as well. Because if you're doing stuff for, I, I always uh, picture it as this as well, like looking after your future self as per to your current self. And I, I focus on that as like a lot as a priority. I would do stuff to try and benefit myself further on later on down the line, whether that's a few months in the future, a year in the future. And so everything I do now is to build for the future as per to, um, you know, do something now to make a bit of money. But I know that as soon as I make that money, I almost starting from ground zero again, because that's quite common when you're working a job. You know, every month you get your paycheck, you now start at ground zero again and you work, you know, the whole month to get, get paycheck at the end of the month. Um, whereas, yeah, now I'm, I'm just trying to do stuff for the future. I'm not even worrying about like the current. Hmm that's a that's a really great way of looking at things but obviously there at some stages like almost like a balance and i've asked this of previous guests you know because it's 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 clear to identify that most people's problem is the first thing which is that they're too instantly gratified and they're they don't think about the long term enough but i do also feel like there's a there's an allure to especially like young men at our age where we're wanting to build for the future to almost like do that too much and sacrifice the that living in the present moment and living um, and still enjoying life where we're at. And I think, like, are you trying to, like, balance that or are you really kind of head forward into the future? No, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I, I fall into that trap as well. That's probably one of the, the biggest things where I try and do everything for my future self. But something that a lot of people do is that they sacrifice their current happiness in order to 
be happy in the future, which doesn't really make much sense because at the end of the day, if your own goal is to be happy, then why are you like not allowing yourself to be happy now? So there is always a balance. I think you have to uh, kind of buy to. Otherwise, you're like destroying everything you have now for something later on down the line. And of course, there's always a case where who knows when you're going to live to, uh, and who knows what's going to happen in the future, especially with things outside your control. So. I think balance is important, but I think if you're not planting the seeds for your future, then you're just kind of leaving yourself to like walk into nothing. You're creating nothing for your future self. So yeah, I guess it's a balance. Um, and the people that can perfect that balance, I think are the successful ones. You know, the ones that are content with where they are now, but they are also building something for their future. So um, yeah, I, it's God, it's something that I haven't quite nailed down yet, but um, I hope I, I hope I will find that balance. Uh, yeah, soon. It's an eternal, it's eternal pursuit balance. It's like something that no one really ever nails. And, you know, I, I've probably come a long way, but I've still got a long way to go. And I know I'm, I'm never going to perfect that because it's just, it's not possible, but I've just got to be happy with the balance that you do end up striking. Mm. And it's always kind of a needle swinging, I guess. Yeah. Um, speaking about one specific deposit that you can do in the, in the now that doesn't necessarily have instant results, but does pay off in the future is reading. And I'm, I've mentioned you meant, I've heard you mention reading a number of times through your content, how, you know, rich dad, poor dad, how to win friends and influence people. Like, could you maybe illustrate the, the impact that reading has had on your life and then maybe some specific examples? Cause I think that's probably something that young people are shying more and more away from. Yeah, no, completely agree. I mean, reading has been, it's, it's difficult because I would never know how much reading has directly impacted me because I would never have read something in which I would then take action on and then I'll see a result out there out the end straight away. Something like Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? Like the classic finance book. Even I read that and I know it helped me a lot with understanding money. There was never a direct return on investment for it. So I kind of think that you have to read with the idea that you're not going to get something back straight away, but you're almost like stacking knowledge on top of itself inside your own head. And who knows when you're going to use that sort of like that arsenal inside your head of whatever problem you have. And reading was huge for me. I mean, it was the kind of thing that twisted my mindset a lot and i know a lot of people especially young people like they hear the word reading and they just think of like an old man reading an old book and like i completely get it as well because i would stay away from books as much as i can but it's so different when you're reading something that you actually want to read and i think that's something that people need to realize if you are reading something about a topic that you're interested in then you will be enjoying like you enjoy reading it and if you are in the world of self-development or you're in a world where you want to make money and have a fulfilling life then you have to read books about those that have done it before you and are literally like paving the way in a book saying, here's a step-by-step -step of how I did it. And then you can really consume it. And I think it's, it's so powerful that you can have like the insight to someone's brain for like 10 pounds and you can just consume it all in like the matter of a week. And then you're almost like, you're almost like consuming like different mindsets and this kind of thing, which is super powerful. And now I have like a book stand behind me of like, I must have like probably like 50 books now and every like couple months I'll spend like a hundred quid or a couple hundred quid on Amazon just like a bunch of books I've added to my basket in the past like couple of weeks and just check out because I know if I leave them now I'm never going to buy them um and it's helped me massively and I think it's important not to read like force yourself to read as well if you're not enjoying it then you're not going to enjoy it and you're just wasting time some people learn better through audio books or watching videos and a lot of people make videos about books and that may be a way for you to consume the knowledge but just it's just so raw and you know there's no well, a lot of the time there's no hidden agenda. Of course, people like sell something else at the end of the book, but a lot of the time it's just like, here's the free value. They may say you sell something else, but take the free value where you can and then find the next piece of free value and then find the next. Uh, so yeah, anyone that's listening that thinks reading's a joke, read something that you, you're interested in and then your whole perspective will change.
so how does how does someone practically go about doing that because obviously you you <clears throat> understood that you were interested in money and then you potentially sought out books that were in that space through googling what the most popular ones are but say for example it's not money it's just something else just in general how does someone approach the world where there's like literally millions of different books and obviously their association with books from school might not be a great one so how do you actually approach that yeah, I, th- I think it's just kind of like analysing what you are currently spending your attention on. Um, of course, all, all us young people, we are spending our attention on something, whether it's TikTok, whether it's YouTube, whether it is, I'm just talking about social media focus here, but what are you consuming on these platforms? You know, uh, a lot of, if it's like, a, you know, like modern news and stuff like that and kind of uh, like current affairs, it's pretty hard to read a book about that. But when you find something that you're interested in, for example, the thing that sparked my interest sort of very similar time to when finance did was psychology. I just love the idea. I actually, it was dark psychology. I love the idea of being able to manipulate people, which sounds very, very bad, but it was more the idea of how the brain, how brains work. And it was things such as 40 laws of power that I read. And then I bought this, like um, this book about like dark psychology techniques and then reading body language. And I thought it was like, it didn't mean anything, but it's kind of understanding how people work. And you can kind of, when you understand that you could read a book and then understand how to, I don't know, understand someone's body language, like almost understand a hidden language that they're not actually speaking to you, but you're understanding what they're, uh, what they're feeling, whatever it is, was interesting. So I guess finding, I, I guess that kind of aligns with like finding your passion. What are you interested in? And if you can find a book on that, read it and it may lead you to something else. Psychology led me to business and money quite a lot for that aspect of like sales and how you can understand someone's brain and then be able to sell something to them. And then obviously money and that makes you more money. So yeah, I think it's like find what you're what you're passionate about and see where you can read a book about that just to open the door of reading books. And then from there, you know, you can go any direction. That's, a, that's some really, really great insights and something that I need to also continue to remind myself of. And I'm getting into reading like psychology books. And it's interesting because yeah. I, I want to become a clinical psychologist, like in practice in like, you know, a number of years after all the training and stuff. But I think from the way you're describing it, psychology is an application to you know money marketing economics etc it makes you understand that psychology it can be a discipline all of its own in terms of helping people and understanding where people are at and guiding them into into a better place but also understanding it is implemented in so many different job roles and facets and human relations because it is the bedrock of like like we're all people i've heard you mention this on on podcasts and, and things before um do you would you say that in the same way, and I'm trying to piece things together here, in the same way as you're, you're very capable when it comes to MMA, but you don't randomly attack people, but it's something that you have sheathed, right? You have your sword, but it's sheathed, yeah. right? So you have the confidence and you have the awareness, but you don't use it. In the same way as your understanding of things like dark psychology, yeah. and it's something where you gain awareness to the point where you can spot it in other people and you're also confident in knowing that you have that within you but you're not going to go out and like actively manipulate people yeah, yeah. maliciously and i think it's something so important about that would you say that like that is something that you would uh, attribute to why why you've kind of gone that path yeah 100 100 i mean I, i'm sort of like almost addicted to learning a bit and it sounds so like corny and cheesy and like i'm a, like a like a start like student or whatever it is but just learning different perspectives and especially stuff like psychology or dark psychology and like you said being able to utilize it yet not utilizing because you have the control to i think is super powerful you can almost like picture it as if you're a video game character and for everything you learn you've almost like leveled up a certain amount of like awareness or a certain skill and the more you consume about these different topics that you know are going to help you the more you're kind of like leveling yourself up and I think it's, you know, it's fantastic, even when you are 
maybe you're learning about psychology and then you go and meet people, you'll just see everything in a different light, a different perspective. Like a book such as Surrounded by Idiots, I'm not sure if you've read it, but it's essentially about how um, everyone's society can be split into four different personality types and then they kind of break down these personality types by colours. And then I can kind of meet someone new such as yourself and try and like assess what colour you fit into, whether you're very analytical or you're very dominant and this kind of thing. And therefore, the book teaches you how to basically deal with these types of colors of people. And I said this before in the video, but it's even like, like you said, having the skills, you know, in your arsenal in case you need to use it. I've said it in an example, like you go to a job interview or something, and because you understand psychology so well, you assess the kind of, uh, whoever the interviewer is, you assess the kind of personality trait that they are, and therefore you can adapt your personality to what they would deem as like um, acceptable kind of thing. Maybe they're a very dominant person. So you're a very like, um, like kind of a soldier or you present yourself in that way so it's just utilizing it in so many different ways and i think you can not necessarily to get to what you want but just to become likable if that's what your mission is or um yeah whatever your mission is you can kind of like twist it that way and that's just for psychology you know one kind of like tiny different aspect of um society i guess would you say that you can overanalyze and over consume without applying what you've learned psychology specifically or everything I think when it comes to like, say for example, you're you're like reading all this stuff on human yeah. behavior and interacting with one another. Do you think you can get so worked up in reading the book that actually you you know you're not actually seeing the real world feedback and you're not actually learning things on the go? Because one example that springs to mind is David Goggins hasn't really read all the theory of what makes someone a disciplined person, but he's gone out and relentlessly calloused his mind and tested that. And then, you know, you hear a Jordan Peterson who will echo exactly the same words as Goggins does, even though, you know, Peterson has done stuff, but he's mainly on the theoretical side. And you mm -hmm. see what I mean? Like there's, do you feel like they do, there does need to be an application of that as well? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, especially with psychology, it's quite hard to apply what you've learned, especially when it's just stuff that you have to consume, and then kind of just um, kind of almost plug it into your perspective, everything else, and you just use that as a filter. Um, but I, I've always said, you know, consuming stuff isn't a bad thing, it's just being in control of what you consume and consuming different perspectives is, it's just going to benefit you in the long run. So I don't necessarily read books with the because a lot of things that people forget is that you can disagree with books as well. If you read something that you don't necessarily agree with, you can disagree. Like there's no one saying that because a book has been published, it's been fact checked. Everyone agrees what it is. You can still disagree with books. Therefore, I've read like quite a few psychology books now, and quite a few of them like tend to clash in different ways. And therefore, you just have to form your own opinion around what you've read, what you've seen, what you've experienced, and that kind of thing. And you're only going to develop that kind of um, that skill, I guess, of people like David Goggins, where you're able to almost like treat your own theory based on what you've experienced if you've experienced stuff so yeah being cooped up in a room just reading psychology books and but like acting as if you're like this wizard isn't going to help until you go out and you kind of not necessarily apply it but see how it plays out in real life um i, I think it's a good way to put it um so yeah just consume as many different perspectives as you can but just do it for a filter of your own head of you know i'm going to make my own judgment based on what i see as per to just taking everything as as factual mm. I've got one final book question, which is that if someone is reading a book and they've continued to read books, but they never actually retain the information that they are reading, I think this is something that people can relate to quite a lot because they'll read a book quite passively, be hmm, 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 and then put it down. And then, you know, you might remember one or two anecdotes from it, but actually have you absorbed that information? And so obviously you've been reading all these books, you've got this bookshelf, you're, you know, continually reinvesting in this. How do you actually absorb the information? 
Yeah, so I actually read much fewer books than people think. Um, and, a, and a thing that um, Naval Ravikant said is that he reads like very few books, but he only reads, oh no, uh, loads and loads of books, but he only reads like tiny sections of each book because a lot of books is like the kind of way you can position it as a lot of waffle, a lot of storytelling, all this kind of stuff, and then some core value in the middle and the rest of storytelling. Therefore, you can go to the core value and you can consume it. What I like to do, though, is I like to study books quite quite a lot. So I'll go back through them. I've read, like, people will be like, I've read this book, like, 20 times because it's amazing. I've, I haven't read that, like, books that many times. But things such as How to Win Friends and Influence People, I probably read that three times and gone through and annotated it. And at one point, they have these, um, these anagrams that basically it's like an anagram of, like, um, two words or whatever it is that will teach you how to like deal with people and i'll like write that down and i wouldn't necessarily revise it but i would just kind of absorb it and um so yeah i read maybe i read new books but i always go back to the core books that i find like either extremely interesting or like um extremely powerful so such as um the millionaire fast lane something like that is very good because it's a lot of core fundamentals that if you just read it and then went on to a new book you would forget it 100 so reread the books that you find valuable and then the books that you read that you don't find too valuable you can move on from them because not every book is going to be amazing uh, and that's why it's quite hard because you don't know if a book's going to be good until you're about halfway through and you go have i just wasted like six hours of my life reading through this book so it's always worth having a look at a summary or something it's not a lot of people think it's cheating if you were to like look at a summary of a book before you read it but it's more just assessing what you're gonna you know kind of give six hours of your life to um and making sure that it is worthwhile the investment so yeah assess the book that you're reading make sure it's worth it make sure there's good reviews on it and then you can go and read it and like study a few key books that you actually uh, enjoy like the richest man in babylon that kind of thing those are books that you should go back and read once or twice over the period of like six months to really absorb it it's like really doubling down on what works and mm. not allowing sunken cost fallacy to just lead you to get through halfway through a book and just waste another four hours even though you know that you're not going to gain any more value but it's like i've just got to tick it off um and i think that's probably like a quite a human trait isn't it wanting to actually finish something even if yeah. there's no point to doing it you know you've already understood that there's no further value but you've just kind of got stuck in oh i've just got to keep reading keep reading until i finish it yeah. and it's not like there's anyone judging you either no one's judging if you're reading a book it's more just like you're it's weird it's like if it's your own ego or it's like your own if you told yourself you're going to read a book now you have to do it even if you know halfway through it's not worth the read um yeah it's interesting and kind of tying this through to university because i think there are, there are parallels with the way that you've read various different books and you said you can disagree some and you can kind of take the nuanced applications and kind of mm -hmm. form your own worldview and for myself studying um, part of my degree is politics a lot of the time we'll do reviews where we're doing a research on a particular topic and you're drawing on various authors over time and taking things that they've said and kind of comparing and contrasting and it's interesting that you've obviously you've just learned that by doing it without having to go to university in a way that's quite organic and on books that you're interested in. Mm. And obviously this is a bit of a segue, but then, okay, so you, you get to the point where you're going to choose university and obviously potentially I've learned some of these things through university. You've learned some of these things without going to university. What was that kind of decision point that made you go, actually, you know what, I'm not going to follow all the rest of these people. I'm going to go and continue to pursue my own thing yeah yeah I, ju I just kind of saw it um as like if it isn't a, like a hundred percent yes for me then it's a no if i don't if i don't feel like every fiber within me wants to do this and go down the university route 
then it's probably a no just because it is such a big investment uh, especially with your time you know what well, i mean obviously you can drop out when you want but once you've once you're in it for a year and then you drop out there's going to be loads of repercussions and this kind of thing and of course you're going to feel like you wasted your time so i just kind of thought if i don't 100 percent want this with all my heart and i know that the thing i'm going to study i'm going to pursue into a career then i'm not going to do it and i'll pave my own way and worse comes to worse I can go to uni a few years later, then I, then I find a passion that aligns with that. That was it in like one breath. It wasn't um, too complicated. I was just like, don't 100% want it. So it's going to be a no. So what do you think holds most people back from doing that? Because I think obviously most people just kind of, I don't want to say a sheep, <laughs> but when I look around at university, you know, intentionality is so important behind anything, right? You wouldn't, you, you wouldn't say that uni is completely bad, but the intention behind why you're doing it is the important thing and if people are just kind of going along with it because all their mates are doing it and they're delaying their adulthood and all of the rest of it that's when it starts to be a bit of a problem so what what is holding people back from doing what you've done i think i think it's just a risk aspect because you know that if you go to uni i mean especially from the entire education system up to university you are kind of uh, puppeted a little bit with what how you spend your time and what you do with your days and this kind of thing because that is a path that everyone takes and then it's all very sudden as well like as soon as going from college to university it's very sudden. Of course, you have a little break in between, but no one builds you up to it very much. It's like, cool, it's the last day of college. In four months, five months time, you can start university if you want, and now you're all on your own. And of course, when you go to university, it's kind of with the idea that you're going to pursue this career for the rest of your life. And it's, it is very sudden, especially from being maybe like an 18 year old that isn't necessarily so academic and they you know they've always treated school as like a bit of a a bit of a joke and now it's like right cool pick a subject that you're going to want to make into a career and then scale that career and then have a family and that kind of thing which is a little bit scary so i think it is the risk aspect of doing something else and and going like another direction and it's quite a lot of social pressure as well um i remember when i didn't go to university and I would speak to maybe like family, friends, whatever it is. And, you know, or maybe my mum would speak to them. Someone would be like, what's Callum doing? And she would go, no, I'm not going to university. It's almost like a, oh, is he going to be homeless then? You know, what's happening now? Um, so it is, I guess, there's a social pressure on it where it's either university or you're clueless. Um, and of course, the risk aspect where you're like university, I'm, you know, I'm kind of not controlled, but it's more like there's a safety net underneath you kind of thing where you know what you're doing with your days. And there's no pressure to go out into the world and explore your own thing. So I would literally just say it's risk um and of course you know you have to kind of take the risk there's always going to be a jump so yeah i would say i'll, I'll like pinpoint it down to risk as the main reason and i think in that expression of that people give like oh my goodness you're not going to university yeah, yeah. there's an element of thinking that at the moment when you're like you know you're 18 years old in six months like you've 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 gone six months out the other side of college and maybe things aren't completely lined up there's almost like a a false assumption that that is the case if you're halfway through your first year of university whereas in reality you have to you have to look at the fruits of after three or four years because at the end of the day someone graduates after three four sometimes even five years and so if going down your path what are you now 20 so you've you're in basically in the second or third year of being post-college right yeah and so you're in that position now and you can see your mates who are in their second or third year of university and you're already doing pretty well for yourself in terms of your business. You're moving, you're moving uh, to Manchester, obviously. And I think that's what people need to reflect on is it, it's not an instantaneous thing of success as soon as you leave college, mm -hmm. but you can trust yourself and that you've been doing the work during college as, alongside stuff and that it, it frees up your time. Because I think a lot of us, we get tied down by you know, a nine till five or university degree 
and it's a side it becomes a side hustle whatever we're doing but you've been able to like apply all of your time on just kind of like iteratively um trying and failing but trying and learning and then obviously that builds your uh, information and, and your expertise and stuff so quickly that you've been able to set up what you have gone on to gone on to do so that, i find it interesting that people will always shame people for not for not doing university when actually you have to look at the fruits a, a few years a few years down the line which clearly you've you've been successful in um how has that been though since you since you left college uh, what's the journey been like for you trying to establish a name for yourself online as an influencer and also actually making making revenue yeah no it's been interesting and i think the like the start was the hardest bit especially when you choose not go not to go to university there's of course like a little bit of pressure on you that now you have to like you have to choose another direction you have to pursue it because if you kind of just go idly for the next couple months or whatever it is or years then you know it's, it's always seen as negative things so you kind of feel like you have to like go out of the gate of not going to university quite quickly and almost like catch up to the people that have gone to university in terms of a status and a career of what you're doing um but since i didn't chose not to go to university it's it's been like fantastic there's been ups and downs and i was quite lucky in the sense that I had like a very long up before I went down again. Like a uh, momentum took me quite a long way. Momentum took me to moving out of my family house and up here. But stuff tend like it would go down, it would go up, it would go down. Um, but it's kind of just you looking at it from a growth mindset and taking everything as a learning curve. Um, but no, I think the the journey's been fantastic, and it, it almost like scares me to be twenty because there were so many benefits from being a teenager, and now I've now it's twenty, and almost like I'm in a whole different category of like an adult now um and it sounds stupid but I'm, I'm almost like i'm so scared like i'm worried about wasting time now even though i'm 20 and i've heard these things about like extending your timeline and having fun with your life and stuff like that and i will it's just that i'm so worried like, every day that goes past i feel like i'm just getting older and older uh which is a, a pro and a con a benefit and a curse um but yeah as a whole the journey's been fantastic um to to where i am now I think as someone who's been on like self-development kind of spheres and trying to proactively better myself since I was like 17, 18, it's interesting to hear you say that at 20 because I feel like I had a similar mindset to that because I'm like, oh my goodness, like I've really got to get my life together, blah, blah. But like, it's weird that in the last six months to a year, my mind has shifted towards like, I'm just going to continually do what I'm doing and I'm just trust that as I get into my mid to late twenties, things will just fall into place. And I'll be like, I know that it's like finding that balance that we were talking about earlier about, you know, building for the long term and also enjoying the now, but it's more just like trusting that like things are happening at the rate at which they need to happen. Mm -hmm. And just like, I mean, for me, I'm a Christian, like, you know, I'm, I'm giving it, I give it over to God. It's just, it's his will. And I'm just kind of like allowing that to happen. And I know that I'm in my late twenties, things will kind of fall into place. And I, I think there's a element of, like feeling the need to control a lot and like yeah. running out of time is a very like it's a very natural experience um and how have you how have you been managing that like how this is not like a therapy session but <laughs> how have you how have you tried to like reconcile that in your own head yeah no I, I think you're spot on with the control aspect and it's just the fact that if I do like you say leave it up to just like whatever happens happens which I do try and live with that mantra of like I'm controlling what I can control and whatever happens as like a a result of that happens but it's just not having the exact control of everything uh it's it's worrying uh just because you know i'm it's like the kind of um 
being afraid of the unknown and what's going to happen in the future. Um, and and yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult and it is a caveat because, like you say, it's it's about the balance of um, being a troll but letting some of it go to to the to future you um, to deal with. But yeah, I think it's just it's just worry uh, because I feel like if I'm not in control of it now, then I don't get to choose. But like I'm, I don't get to choose where I am in the near future, uh, and that's what's wrong because anything can happen in that sense. So it is just being afraid of not having control, uh, which is like a stupid thing to stress about at the end of the day. But it's I guess one of those worries that doing what I'm doing quite young, I now feel like every every year I have or every day that I have is like being wasted by someone you look at on social media that's in Dubai, like driving a Lamborghini. It's like ah, I got to do some catching up to do. Um, yeah, I'd kind of see it from that perspective. Yeah, that's quite a natural natural thing to to look at what people have done earlier than you and then say, Oh, why ha- how like what why I haven't done that and then trying to close that gap. And to an extent that that's healthy because you need to have some reference points of to know what's possible. And I think what you often talk about is uh breaking free of that you use an analogy in the real life I remember watching about like the elephant that's attached to the rope, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's like you you don't know that you, you're really attached to the rope until you like look and actually like cut it off and then break free of and see what's possible. But I think the problem with social media is we're, we're exposed to so much of that. Like you say, you can look at someone who's probably like 17 now, who's driving a Lamborghini in Dubai and it just gets younger and younger and is more yeah. absurd. But I think it's because, I mean, you're probably that to a lot of people as well. Like obviously like thinking back, like even for myself, you know, I see someone that's a couple of years younger than me. who's doing really, really well in, in business. And if you follow that train of thought, then someone at my age would be like, oh my goodness, why why wasn't I doing that? That age, I have a lot of closing up to do. And I think you can kind of follow that all the way. And it's um, there's probably people in their mid-30s who look at us having this conversation now and go, oh, I didn't know the things that we were talking about then. I wish I did. But I suppose if following that to the logical conclusion kind of proves that we all just have to kind of get on our own mission and do everything that we can in our control and just um kind of let let life take, take its course i guess um have, have you been challenged by that by like your business in terms of control and trying to scale it up as you're kind of building everything yourself and has there been a transition point where you're like hiring anyone or delegating responsibility to team members and has that been a, a, a kind of transition thing you've had to do yeah yeah so it's it's been interesting especially with social media at the moment because a lot of my business is fueled by social media in terms of like the marketing of it and stuff like that especially with um, the Kaizen at the moment, as we're building, it's like a lot of it is sort of um, relying on on it to be built up by social, but TikTok and social media, some of that has changed like quite a lot in the in the recent past in, in terms of like what videos get pushed and what don't. So it is that lack of control scares me a bit. The fact that based on the growth of the business, it's not in control of me, it's in control of the TikTok algorithm and that kind of thing and what video they decide to push and what video they don't. That aspect of control scares me a bit just because um like i say i'm not in control of it however like like you know you can control what you can control so as long as i keep putting out content that i think is good and so do other people then that's all i can do um and i've, I've been delegating quite a bit something i realized as well i always try to be like do everything i always thought i would be the best at doing everything 
um, and putting, giving other people tasks that I know they are better at doing than I am has been quite a big push as well, uh, such as like I hired like a social media manager basically for the Kaiser and I hired an editor as well for the videos and this kind of thing, looking at hiring, uh, hiring like a writer shortly in the future. And it's just because I know those people are better at doing what I'm doing. And I'd rather have, um, like I've had before, like a, a bigger slice or what was it? Um, a bigger slice of a small slice of a bigger pie as per to the whole pie itself, although it's not that big. Um, so that's kind of my mindset at the moment. Mm. And leverage is essentially what you've just picked up on there yeah. because you know as well that it can be quite laborious writing scripts, video editing on a repetitive basis. And you're obviously trying to like push the content out there because you're just trying to, you're like growth maximizing essentially, aren't you? You're really trying to get people eyes on the Kaizen, which you think has a lot of value in these little snippets of wisdom every day. But actually your time needs to be spent on making them the more medium long-term decisions and hiring things. And so that's like a transition that like a lot of startups and business owners sort of like um, have to have to go through. Um, I, I actually realized that on this podcast so far, we haven't actually touched on the, the main thing that has actually generated your kind of money to be able to go and do what you're doing. And it's yeah. social media influencer pooling. Um, it'd be interesting just to get your like rundown on what exactly that is and how it's become so successful. Yeah, yeah. So social media influencer pooling um, is, is, if anyone doesn't know, is essentially very similar to SMMA in terms of you are helping a company market, but I'm doing, instead of doing it through Facebook ads, I'm doing it for utilizing influencers. So I kind of took um, advantage of what I knew. I knew I had an unfair advantage at in terms of being an influencer. I knew how they worked. I know how brand deals work from both sides of the table. And therefore I thought I would do an agent, start an agency where I would help companies market for influencers and doing it in sort of like a slightly unique fashion. And that is a thing that really like changed everything for me in terms of the business, because I started social media management, like going around my local restaurants and stuff, failed that over a period of time. I tried Facebook ads, didn't work. And then I tried this and it sort of picked up. So it was that kind of thing of you've got to fail before you succeed. But that's what really picked up for me and um, kind of made a difference in terms of my income. Um, not necessarily really like my social proof or anything, because that was built up by everything else, but it was really my income. And that allowed me to kind of like level up my lifestyle a bit. And that gave me like the freedom to move out. And then I started teaching other people about it, um, which I, I'm hoping is going to help my sort of long term legacy with it as well. Um, and I my agency was like my entirely main focus until it's weird because because I made like a, I've made a very good amount of money from my agency. I moved to the aspect of, um, and I know I should be doing this when I'm like 40, 50 years old, but I moved to the aspect of, I'm not too focused on the money right now. I want to build something for, uh, sorry about that. I want to build something for longevity in the future. Uh, and that's why I kind of turned away from not, I still run the agency and I still have a whole team that runs it, but my main focus is on the Kaizen because I know that that can build out into something in the future that can turn into something amazing. Whereas the agency is it's very similar in terms of working a job. You work for the month, you get paid at the end of the month. You work for the month, you get paid at the end of the month. Of course, if you want to, if I want to sell the agency, I can do that. Um, however, I know the Kaizen it can turn into a whole like media empire down the line. So yeah, I'm like I say, I'm very focused on future myself. That's why I've kind of turned away from focusing on the agency as much, which um, as I say, I should be doing when I'm 40 years old and being like, I want to focus on my passion, not the money now. But I think as it all came quite quickly, I just had that twist of realization away from the instant money every single, at the end of every single month and more to, I want to build something for the long term. I was, I was going to ask that question as to like, because I think it'd be very easy for someone listening to this to go, why on earth would you go from something at 19, which is suddenly making a lot of money to then 
suddenly doing all, all the other stuff and building the Kaizen and um, obviously creating the team of where people learn how to do um, SMIP under you. Like, like what? <laughs> I'm just imagining people are asking the question themselves, like, why would you pivot to that? I don't know if you could like break that down a little bit more in terms of the decision process when you actually went, okay, in terms of my time, I'm going to let that not automate because I know you're obviously still like communicating and doing things, but you said you're spending a lot of your time on the other stuff. So which yeah. doesn't, which isn't actually right now having any return. Yeah. Yeah. And no, no, it's interesting. Um, and I, I completely agree with people when they say it's a stupid decision, but it's more, it's, it's more just like the fulfillment aspect as well. I know from running these agency or from running the agency, it is very, um, I guess there's, there's very little output to it apart from the money aspect when I know the Kaizen there can be much more output there can be like a, a legacy on the end of it or there can be like um maybe I, I'm seen as this person that is like the self-development person later on down the line I just know there is more of an output to the input I put in um, and it's literally just the longevity of it I know that it can last longer and it really it was the idea that came to my head where I was like you know, I, I want to create like this whole thing around self, uh, self-development, self-improvement. There's loads of different creators that do it, but I want to create like a whole process and newsletter and build it into like a, a bunch of different things and an app and that kind of thing in the future. So it was really just, do I focus on what's going to make me money at the end of the month or do I focus on something that I could sell for, you know, 50 million uh, in 2030 or whatever it is. That was kind of my my focus of, you know, what do I focus on? So I'm, I'm kind of sacrificing the now uh, for later on down the line, which is uh, what we spoke about earlier. It's interesting because the the way you kind of uh, focus so much on one thing and then kind of maybe like not move on entirely, but like, okay, cool, that's set up. Now let's like focus on this thing yeah. is very similar to a gent that I've, I've been friends with for a few years and I need to interview, but I haven't yet, called Ty Tamel. And he, own, he owns um, a nightclub in Bournemouth called Halo. He owns like seven other businesses like Sandfest. I don't know if you've heard of these things being in, in Salisbury but he owns like seven or eight businesses he's relatively successful he set up a gym after lockdown and like you would you'd be forgiven for asking like why weren't you happy with the four businesses or five businesses yeah. and these are all in different sectors as well even though there's there's a golden golden thread that kind of thread through them they're all individual things that aren't really tied together and he just said it's because he he see you know he, he trusts his own intuition as to like yeah I'm passionate about this thing I can see the gap in the market or I can see the potential in this and just focusing all of his energy for a more short period of time. And then like really trying to see, okay, does this work? Does this work? And then obviously if it doesn't, you can pull out. And I think there were, was some restructuring with the gym and stuff as memberships went down, whatever in recent months. But it's interesting to see the parallels between that. Cause I, I see him as a very He's like 35, 36 now, a very successful like um, presence in the Bournemouth kind of, uh business people space right um and it's interesting at 20 years old you've already got that kind of vision and like focusing on different things and um what what actually is the motivation for the name the kaizen and what actually is it if people want to like look up more or kind of subscribe themselves yeah yeah yeah. okay so the the kaizen is a it's a japanese term that essentially means continuous improvement and i think broken up kai means continuous and then uh, Zen means improvement, um, which uh, kind of represents the whole the whole point of the company, I guess. Um, and at the moment, it's a newsletter. So it's a like, free daily email newsletter that will take you like two minutes to read and it's going to teach you something new every single day, whether that's about like habits or it's about how to not give up, like just 
it's kind of basic stuff, but it's stuff that people are missing out on. Some of the topics are much more in depth. Some of them are much more shallow. And then in the future, the Kaizen will grow into much more. I want to kind of like just keep developing in the self-improvement space and find what is being missed out on and what can be filled, whether that's an app that helps you hold each other accountable, whatever that is. There's like loads of different ideas that myself and the very small team that I have are working towards. And we're look like at the moment, we're looking at getting it in schools and stuff like that. We have some good connections with some big schools in the US that can basically like put it as part of their like um, startup committee, uh, which could be cool. So it's all this kind of stuff where I just want to make sure that self-improvement is spread across to everyone. Because I think that is a lot of the foundation as well of not only having purpose, but having like, um, um, well, yeah, I would guess saying having purpose. You know, if you can find a purpose to improve yourself, then you're going to slowly, um, you know, thread off into different avenues, whether you, you're just improving yourself, but you find an absolute love for fitness and you go all in on that. You're improving yourself, you find a love for for business and making money and this kind of thing and you, and you go in that. And I think it's just a very good foundation for, you know, evolving yourself as a person and then choosing what avenue to to pursue. So it will be huge in the future. At the moment, it's like the building stage, right? So it's all kind of a bit scrappy. But uh, for now, the thing people can like grab onto is the newsletter. And of course, stuff will come out uh, in the future of that. You've you've got to push all of that different content and do all those different things just to explore as many avenues as you can in as little time um, yeah. as possible. And it's really annoying because the question I was going to ask is completely, completely gone from my head. It was something to do with the newsletter. Yeah, you, you mentioned that it was sometimes it's too, or it might be things that are obvious or or seem like there's nothing that deep about it. But I think, and it's something I've reflected on quite a lot recently, and I think it's it's quite a common problem within self-development or just generally when someone learns something about something, mm-hmm. they only follow people that also kind of know that as well and they end up scaling up and you're almost like spiraling away and then you look back and you realize that 95 percent of the population don't know anything about this certain topic and then actually you don't want to overcomplicate it like you do want to just put it in like teaching your younger self which is a really interesting concept you you obviously speak about planning things for your future self doing things for your future self but also like now in the content you make and in the kaizen it's essentially a letter every day that you're writing to 14, 15, 16 year old Callum, right? Like <laughs> you would have really loved those lessons when you're that age. I think that's a, an interesting um, angle. Do you approach it with that sort of mindset when you're thinking about what level to write it at in terms of difficulty to, to understand? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, that was the way that I kind of uh, deciphered how to create content as well. You know, when you're, when you're making content you kind of have to, speak to like your your dream avatar almost um and like speak specifically to them so it can resonate with them because you're never going to be able to uh like um resonate with every single dip every single person so you will speak to some specific person and then you'll start to develop a an audience or a following of those kind of people so that was why i started making content and with the kaizen it's more just i because I, I, I write all of them at the moment it's massively helping me develop my writing skills as well and i write it with the purpose of like teaching you something new that you probably didn't know every single day. So some of them are hacks about habits. Some of them are about like um, different principles or rules. Like the other one the other day was about like the 80-20 principle and how a lot of people don't know that it's actually 20% of the things that you do that produce the majority of the output. And it's not necessarily like like very, very base level stuff such as, you know, um, 
uh, I don't know how to have like a productive morning because that is stuff you kind of develop yourself. It's more about the the odd hack and principle and trick and this kind of thing that isn't you wouldn't know otherwise. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not something that you wouldn't know unless you went out to search for. But with the Kaizen, you'll just get it delivered to you every single day, and therefore you'll just learn something new. And you know you'll read it, and then you'll be better off for it. Hopefully, taking that on board throughout the day, depending on what the uh, the newsletter is about. What is your current like morning? Uh, routine because I think obviously in the short form stuff you do have to give it as tips and tricks and odd things that people can integrate into their lifestyle but I think the great thing about a podcast is that it is a long form conversation to allow you the space to kind of actually unpick okay who are you what actually are the things that have worked for you so people can see in more in more detail so what is your what is your sort of like routines there so my, my morning routine is very bad um, and I've spoken to a bunch of people about this and they said it's bad there's nothing that I do unhealthy but i'm i'm very aware of all the sign like the scientific things that you can back you up getting sun in your eyes and taking salt in your water and this kind of thing i'm very aware of it all um and if i it's it's kind of like um it's a bit of a caveat that i do because i could dedicate like a, a bunch of my energy and time to doing all this stuff in the morning yet i just feel much better because i, I like i work a lot because that is what i'm focused on just building stuff i'll wake up in the morning I'll have some water and I'll just start working like that is it and then I have like a set calendar that I do every single morning so from like 8 a.m to 10 a.m I'll write the Kaizen I'll write the Kaizen issue for tomorrow and the next day and then the um I do like some morning posts and stuff and do a bit of reading and a bit of like interaction and engagement so I have some like work fundamentals that I do every single morning and I, I would love to say that I have this whole routine where I go for a run and then you know splash some water miles whatever it is but it is just quite basic just because that's what works for me at the moment in my building stage I know that when, you know, as I um, move on and stuff like that, I'll develop like a very, very good one. But at the moment, I'm just focusing on what is the most efficient for me. Um, and yeah, I'll just sort of like execute on that. Not something Andrew Huberman would uh, look forward to, uh, like me saying. <laughs> but the most important thing is executing something that works and that's sustainable. Because <laughs> if you were to try and implement all of these different things of going for a cold plunge and doing yeah. grounding and looking at the sun and what well not directly the sun but you, you know what i mean doing all of these things which in theory biologically would be better i mean have you heard of um oh the name escapes me the there's the guy that's doing blueprint that's like uh brian johnson have you heard of brian johnson yes like trying to reverse his age kind of thing yeah 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 like in theory if you're to follow all of that fantastic but if it doesn't work with your current place in life and your mission and you can't stick to it then you're just going to feel terrible about yourself because you're like, oh, keep trying this thing, keep failing. Whereas in your instance, obviously you've said that, you know, it's not the ideal morning routine, but it works for you. So I don't know, you know, it's almost like the social media age that we are forced to compare, even though what works for you, what works for you, you've clearly done well with with how it's, how it's, how it's going. Yeah, I think consistency is important as well. As you say, you know, if you have this whole routine, unless you have it set out in front of you and you, it's just so simple for you to complete, it's being consistent with what you do. And as long as I can, you know, you do it to hopefully, obviously help you like, um, I don't know exactly how the morning routine of like jumping into a plunge pool will help you in the long term, but you do it consistently so that I don't know, maybe a few years in the future, you can look at it and say that benefited me. Um, and that's the stuff that I'm doing, but I'm just doing it on what I'm focused on. I mean, I, I go to the gym or MMA or whatever it is every single day. So I know I get my, like my attributes of what I need to complete every single day but just because i'm focused on the online the social stuff my morning routine is basically online and social which helps me stay consistent and it helps me i know in the future develop and i'm um, kind of produce something fantastic 
just want to touch on consistency because it's something that you've clearly demonstrated and it's not necessarily consistency to one particular endeavor but it's just consistency in how you show up to whatever you're currently pursuing right and you that's probably been demonstrated from this conversation so far but for people who struggle with that uh, and I'm thinking of a reel I saw you do on like you said someone has a wave of motivation at night they're going to get all their life together and then they fail after like three or four gym sessions or whatever it might be what is it that that allows someone to keep showing up every day a little bit like you have with whatever it might be that they want to do yeah yeah the thing that will help you show up every single day is just discipline that's what it is it's basically doing what yourself doing what you promise yourself that you would do regardless of how you feel and regardless of your emotions whether you know the sun's shining and this kind of thing it's just making sure that you carry out the actions that you know in the future will benefit you and that's it that's being disciplined so it's basically just self-respect that's what it is because if you say you're going to do something are you going to respect like your own words and do it or are you going to kind of like fall into the trap of you know i'll push it to tomorrow whatever it is so to stay consistent and also motivate a lot of the time is discipline because for motivation you have to carry out action to produce a result which then gives you motivation to do it again you know you you win a like a lot of the time when uh, athletes like win the, their biggest competitions or something you'll find that the next morning they're back in the gym doing it again because that's when they have their peak motivation like you know a football player would win the world cup whatever it is the next morning he's back in it like working as hard as he ever has because he's produced a result that's given him the motivation to do it again therefore carry out action to produce some sort of result even if it's minor which gives you motivation and proof of concept that you can then do it again to a higher standard so it's discipline and just taking action that will be all the motivation and consistency that you that you need. It's interesting because exactly what you said there mirrors what well, a previous guest, um, Jeffrey Boardi, said, which is that he, he tweeted, um, someone, someone said, uh, what inspires you to lift? And he quote tweeted, the fact that if I don't lift, I don't feel inspired. And I was like, that's such a great, succinct mm-hmm. way of putting it because people often go into these things thinking they need to feel right up and and feel like they want to do something and obviously like you do want to do lots of things you don't want to continually keep callousing your mind and live like a a, an emotionless goggins but at the same time you do reflect that actually during sharing up you feel better that you've honored your word and i think self-respect which you mentioned is so people don't use that enough when it comes to following through with your own actions because self-respect and your, your your integrity and your trust are all things that matter before you can start trusting other people and you know you know doing things on the people so i think yeah it's, it's interesting to to notice the, the sort of parallels there um one question i wanted to ask considering you're i've been seen i've seen that you're known as the the money man or well now you're the 20 year old money man yeah. um what, do you ever think or do you ever reflect on the fact that money may be um too much of an idol in your life um yeah i mean towards the start 100 percent, 100 percent. money was the goal chasing it was a goal and i know there was never going to be an end because no matter how much money i have there's always another milestone to hit i think more recently um that's kind of changed a little bit like i was saying about pursuing the kaizen instead of my agency 100 percent. the kaizen makes me little to no money at the moment just because i'm in the building process and my agency made me a very good amount of money when i was like focusing on 100 percent. so i kind of realized that although money is important because it allows you to live a fulfilling life and it's like kind of tool that will assist you with that it's like the purpose your purpose i think is what you should focus on and what you should chase because um you know of course 
with pursuing your purpose, money can come with that. As long as you do it for long enough and you're you're good enough at it, then money will come along with that. So yeah, there was a point that it switched where I was like, I don't, I'm not too worried about it. You know, there was never, when I started now, when I was building my agency, every single day I'm on my Stripe dashboard, I'm refreshing, seeing if payments have come in and this kind of thing, looking at the graph, looking at the graph over four weeks, all this kind of stuff. And now I look at it maybe once every couple of weeks just to see if everything's okay. <laughs> my head's still above water. Um, but it's, yeah, I think my focus has gone away from it being my main driving factor to I want to build something. I want to pursue my purpose and my passion. I know money will come with that. So um, yeah, the money man is still my name just because I, I never changed it from the content I was making. Um, but it, it helped me start because it did give me the drive to start things. And I think even if money is your drive at the start, it's not the end of the world because as you develop, as you grow, you understand that actually it's not that important. And if you were to say to someone now, a teenager, money doesn't actually mean anything, they would probably say, well, how are we your money then kind of thing. Um, so it's very, it's, it's not something you realize until you have a decent amount of money where you're like, it's not my main focus at the moment. I want to pursue what I want to pursue. And then that will, um, that will follow me there. Have you heard of uh, the term post-materialism? Enlighten me. It's like a, a political science term where in the West, generally like in the last 30 years, <clears throat> people's primary it's almost like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? People's primary um, focus and the thing that they care most about shifts from material things to values and ideas and purpose, right? And it's something that we've, I've mentioned it a number of times in the podcast where people have been talking about this sort of stuff because it's obviously a natural conversation with entrepreneurs and whatnot. And I think it's an interesting concept because obviously you need to be in a place of privilege to then focus on purpose, right? And in the way that you're describing, you focused on money to a point, and once money was no longer the problem, you're then able to focus on purpose. And obviously, for people who are in like uh, developing countries and people who are needing to put food on the table, they don't have time to worry about the the purpose stuff because they're focusing on the money. And I think it's important to like, given the conversation, you've been obviously very self-reflective and very. Um, insightful when it comes to all these different topics is that there's like a time and a place for the emphasis on money and the emphasis on purpose and actually obviously through purpose if you can make money fantastic and you can as you've described if you're like really competent and you can actually provide value to people because people will be willing to to pay you um do you follow dan dan co yes on twitter yeah yeah, yeah I've, I've followed dan co for a number of years and the, the number one thing that really always resonates with me is that he says that you should make your free content better than other people's paid content. Yeah. And like, you're just value driven. You're just give, pumping out this like daily newsletter, doing all the things, you know, you're not getting paid directly for doing the TikTok videos of like insights and wisdom and stuff. But in the long run, you're giving that value and reciprocally, there'll be people that are interested in going a bit deeper. And then you do have those um, aspects for, for going deeper and, and learning a bit more, obviously uh, in, a, in a paid model. Um, We've we've glossed on it a couple of times in the podcast, but what are your main sort of ambitions with all the different businesses you run and MMA and all these different things? Like where where are you taking? I mean, you recently turned twenty, so what is your twenty seven store? <laughs> yeah, God. Um, I mean, my my main focus at the moment, MMA is something that I've, I've I feel like I've done for my whole life now, and it's something that I will continue to do for my whole life. It's something that I've I've very much considered competing in, uh, and I have done quite a few fights in MMA, just like um more interclub things with other clubs. And that kind of thing, I've never done anything professionally just because 
since I started everything I'm doing now, I'm so worried about getting hit in the head. Um, and of course, one like dodgy hit can turn everything upside down. And I don't want to kind of destroy my future potential of that. So that will be something that I will always carry out with me. Uh, and I, again, recommend anyone to jump into. In terms of my main focus at the moment, my main pillars, um, I mean, what I have on my day plans, I, I always try and split up my day uh, into what I'm focusing on and kind of see it as pillars that hold up who I am. So one of them is like socials. So uh, this can be anything from recording YouTube videos to scripting TikTok ones to editing. Uh, I outsource bits and bobs, but it's that kind of idea. Other thing is the Kaizen. Um, other one is the agency. And then um, the other one is like my mental state as well. What I mean by that is like a growing my knowledge so on it every single day i have read i also have learned a new skill um, at the moment it's storytelling because i'm trying to improve my storytelling massively but i just think it's important to just have something that you can learn um there's there's this thing which i'm sure you're familiar with called like the um 100 hour principle i think it's called where if you do something for 100 hours over the period of a year which is like 18 minutes a day then you'll be better than like 95 percent of the population in that thing in theory obviously i haven't done it that long but it's that kind of idea where if i just put right like um, learn about storytelling, whatever it is, for half an hour every single day. I know that will come out in the future. So those are my kind of pillars at the moment. Um, some of it is just like short-term gratification. So in terms of the agency and stuff, it's just to keep making me money. And then long-term things is for the Kaizen um, and socials is to build up like this monster personal brand that I can utilize in the future to like that. And what you're saying about value is interesting as well, because it is just the more value you can provide, the more you'll receive in return in terms of like monetary gain. Something I said in the millionaire fast lane, you know, if you want to make a million pounds or a million dollars, you have to help a million people. You have to provide value that is worth that amount of money. Um, otherwise, you know, it's kind of, you're, you're kind of doing it a jokey way. And all the big companies do that, whether it's PayPal that have helped millions of people transfer money in this way, therefore, or billions of people, therefore are a billion dollar company. Um, so that's something I think you should focus on as well in terms of depending on how much money you want to make, figure out how you can provide that amount of value to whoever needs it. And then it will be reciprocated, not necessarily straight away in terms of like uh, what you're saying about Dan Coe putting out a bunch of free content, but he probably knows that if he sold a product, I, I, I'm sure he does sell a few, but if he drops something, hundreds of thousands of people will buy it because he's put so much value out there. And that's the kind of idea, um, put value out and it will be uh, returned to in other ways. Yeah. I think specifically on storytelling, that's really interesting because just like we talked to, about psychology as being like a big base of any facet that is built on top of that, storytelling is like a universal human thing that has been the way that we communicate ideas and st like people and and everything. Like, you know, like you look at drawings on walls of telling stories of killing mammoths and stuff, right? Like it's so ingrained within our DNA and that comes out as like, uh, I, I actually, I, I worked for a, a tech startup a couple of years ago called Generate and the guy, Sam Jones, the, the guy that founded it, he couldn't necessarily code himself, but he had the vision. And the number one thing that he learned from his time, like working at Red Bull and, and like doing global advertising is storytelling. Like you have to bring someone into your story and like show them the journey and show them your thing. Obviously at the end, it's like, this is the, this is the, the pathway that someone needs to walk through and, and um and understand why yeah, your like, um why your way is the best um, completely agree. and storytelling wasn't something that i necessarily thought i had to focus on it was actually until i got on twitter that i didn't like focus on it at all but then you see all these like amazing writers that are telling like fantastic stories and what like 280 characters or whatever it is and that's when you realize that you know it is the foundation to everything and as long as you it's you know, if it's in psychology like you said as long as you can tell a story and you can convince someone to do something whether that be 
buy your product or join your team or whatever it is. Um, and that's, yeah, like you say about the Red Bull, that's how some of the biggest companies are founded in this kind of thing, how people are so successful, um, which is interesting. That is like one of my main focuses at the moment. What I really like about stories is the fact that someone who has no knowledge of, of a particular topic can understand it through you telling them a story about that topic like yeah. a coder who who has built the entire back-end code of something like i have no idea what he's talking about when he's telling me this stuff but he can use a story so that i can understand okay roughly what's going on and i think that's yeah. just it's so incredible to, to think about that that's that's possible yeah 100 but yeah we've uh we've spent good good hour and 10 minutes talking about your story and it's been a very very incredible one um from someone who's been interested in like obviously online stuff and following people like different ways of making money and obviously you've you seem like a very responsible more mature young individual and i'm sure you'll go on to just do incredible stuff with the cars and i, I mean i think i'm subscribed but if i'm not i'll i'll make sure to go and subscribe <laughs> after this and uh point people in that direction when this when this podcast is dropped but um i appreciate your time i know you're obviously a, a busy man trying to kind of ruthlessly build all this stuff and i think it's so admirable so um if people want to follow you for sorry thank you it's been a pleasure if people want to follow you for more where can they do so uh they can do it at um my instagram's already the best place to go just because i can hold more of a community there so it's just it's callum carver um and it's uh got the blue tick rather than someone clicking on a bot and like dming them it's the, it's the verified one amazing Yes, I, I noticed a lot of alternative. It's Canon Carvers pop up over the last couple of months, yeah, uh, and it shows that you've made it. I think as soon as people try and start impersonating, you know, you know, you've you know you've made it. Um, but yeah, been a pleasure chatting, and, and thanks for your time. Thank you, Zach. It's been amazing.